0: this is the front page podcast from the red and black i'm alex Antioch, bringing you our first ampersand magazine special edition episode ampersand magazine is a red and black arts and culture publication back with a new issue for the first time since it went on hiatus in 2019 today we'll be speaking with managing editor Erin Kenny about the relaunch of Ampersand Magazine and her article about the Food for All program's partnership with Daily Co-op Groceries. Then, Senior Special Publications Editor Nava Rawls will join us to talk about her article on the Achachi International Market and the connections between food and memory. Our final guest is culture contributor Libby Hobbs here to talk about efforts to bring cultural diversity to UGA's dance department. Support for this podcast is provided by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership. For more information, visit grady.uga.edu slash coxinstitute. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much for coming in the studio today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so could you tell us uh, about how the revival of Ampersand Magazine came about?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a weird process. Originally... We were gonna do culture eat and drink themed B sections for our weekly papers. Um, And then we were kind of worried about what that workload would look like week to week for our culture and special publications teams. Um, And Rebecca suggested um, bringing back ampersand, which had existed previously um, before the pandemic and we all just kind of fell in love with the idea of having something that was more magazine style and then also something we would have um, more time to dedicate to each month so we could really focus on the quality of the storytelling and the visuals and everything that goes into it.
0: Yeah, and what was the production process like for this issue?
1: Yeah, so for the, the March issue, um, by the time we really decided that we were going to do ampersand, um, we had to turn around really quickly and get started on the production. So um, we gave contributors the opportunities to submit pitches, um, approve those in the span of like a week or so, and then um, kind of hit the ground running, um, working on those stories, getting them edited. And then um, we produced I think the week before spring break, um, just so we could send it off to the printers. So it was pretty laid back production wise, um, working with our photographers and our graphic design team um, and also like laying out a brand new publication or a revival of an old publication from scratch. So they had a lot of creative room to play with and it was a lot of fun working on it. Um, yeah.
0: Now pivoting to talk about the piece that you wrote for Ampersand, Uh, what is the Food for All program, and who are the members of the family, connection, communities, and school that run it?
1: Yeah, so the Food for All program is actually something that Daily Groceries um, runs, and then they kind of run it in conjunction with... um, a Georgia nonprofit wholesome wave. So basically wholesome wave um, partners with daily to offer memberships of the co-op um, discounts on all of their items, but especially fresh and local produce. Um, and then like you said, family connection um, communities in schools, um, that organization, um, Partners with Neighborhood Leaders, which is a team of um, community service advocates and um, volunteers who work in Athens to um, provide a lot of services. And then specifically, Anika Watkins is their SNAP outreach coordinator. Um, So she focuses especially on food accessibility and she works with Daily One to help kind of promote their food for all program. Um, so people are aware from that, aware of that. And then also she tables outside of daily to make sure people are aware of snap benefits in general um, just to kind of promote um, food accessibility and also making sure people are aware of benefits that they are eligible for since a lot of times, People might be eligible for certain benefits, but are unaware that they might qualify. Yeah.
0: And why is it valuable to have this kind of service that helps people stay up to date on their SNAP paperwork?
1: Yeah. This is something that Anika and I talked about a lot because there's a lot of paperwork, like you said, and that goes into applying for, qualifying for, and like receiving SNAP benefits. Um, especially with the pandemic, um, there's been a lot of changes in who qualifies. And um, also since we've seen the pandemic kind of taper off and then spike again and then taper off, um, rules and like regulations have changed a lot over who might qualify. And then also, even if you do continually qualify for SNAP throughout all of the changes, um, You still have to reapply and resubmit paperwork every so often. So Anika was saying sometimes people will lose access to benefits just because, you know, they forget to reapply or they're unaware that they have to reapply. Um, so having someone in the community like an outreach leader like Anika is, is a great way to make sure people are staying up to date with whatever the rules might be and also making sure that when it is time to reapply or if they have any questions about, you know, if they're eligible or how to qualify for SNAP benefits, um, they have someone there to kind of walk them through that process.
0: What is the value of people working from within their own communities to address issues like food insecurity and income inequality?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's really powerful seeing people work to address these issues on a local level. Um, And this is something Alden or DiCamillo said. Um, They are the the marketing and outreach person for Daily. And they said that, you know, things like the Food for All program are a great way to help your neighbor. Um, I think a lot of times people like to think of issues at national or global levels because that's so much of what our news cycle is. And of course, these issues are national and international issues, but um, really getting invested in the community and seeing people being able, one, to help each other out, but then also people who do need help and assistance, knowing that they have local resources and people who you know, drive the same streets as they do and visit the same grocery stores and go to the same churches and take their kids to the same schools. Um, I think it's a lot easier for people to connect that way. And so having people in your community who you can kind of lean on or ask questions um, or just ask for help from, I think is something that can be really powerful in a great way um, for communities to
0: invest in themselves. Next, Nava Rawls will discuss her article on the Achachi International Market and the relationship between taste and memory. Hi Nava, thank you so much for joining us in the studio today.
2: Thank you, I'm glad to be here.
0: Why is Achachi Market so important to students from other countries?
2: Um, Well, in a place like Athens, especially a southern college town, there's not many places where you can get those ingredients that remind them of home, especially students from places like India and the Middle East and West African countries. It's hard to find those ingredients that remind them of home. And so it's really important to have somewhere where they can get the taste that really remind them of where they came
0: from. Why is it important to have a place to access these ingredients that aren't available like at your average American grocery store? It's
2: important to be able to access the things that I guess you're used to in an unfamiliar and strange environment like college.
0: Yeah, and could you speak to how a chachi market came about?
2: Um. Well, <clears throat> a chachi market was created recently by owner Matthew Matthew. Um, And he kind of started it just because he knew there was a need for a story like that, something with the Indonesian, Pakistani, Arab um, influences. Um, And yeah, he opened last July. Um, I'm not sure how he found that particular space and everything, but he just knew there was a need and wanted to fulfill that need.
0: Yeah, and in your article, you talk about how the market has thrived against the odds. Um, why is this?
2: Um,
0: I think the owner
2: Matthew Matthew is just really determined and he really enjoys what he does. Um, like I talked about in the article, he drives students home every day after hours, um, students who can't afford or have other methods of transportation. And I just think he's someone who really cares and is determined to push forward despite obstacles.
0: Yeah, kind of speaking to that, um, what is Matthew Matthew's relationship with his customers? Why does he give students rides and all of these things?
2: Well, he's an immigrant himself. He was born in South Africa and grew up in India. And I think he just he's really familiar with the the same feelings and the experiences of being um, an immigrant or an international student in America or even in the South.
0: Yeah. And um in your piece, you quote uh, Mehran Madipour as saying, taste is attached to memory. What does he mean by this?
2: I think he means food is just such a big part of culture and a big part of life. And something like taste can really take us back to our memories and happier times and just home and the things we're comfortable with
0: yeah and what do you think the most important thing for readers to take away from this piece is
2: yeah i guess the most important takeaway it's is that it's important to have kind of the resources and accessibility for students from all sorts of backgrounds um i think especially for for like international students and immigrant students coming to college in america is um kind of a big thing and it can be kind of strange and unfamiliar at times so i guess i want people to take away that um it's important to make every student
0: feel comfortable wherever they are Our final guest is Libby Hobbs, here to discuss the work of UGA dance department instructor Jason Aye and the value of cultural diversity in dance. Well, hi Libby, thank you so much for coming in today. Um, And I was wondering um, who is Jason Aye?
3: Ooh, so I had the pleasure of meeting Jason while writing these articles. And Jason is a lecturer at the dance department. Uh, he is not a professor, but he does choreograph several dances. And the one that uh, I talk about in this article is the Ubuntu dance, and he was in charge of choreographing it and kind of spearheading this project. Uh, so, yeah, he is a lecturer at the dance department, and um, he says that he's the only person of color lecturer in the dance department for the past three years. So.
0: Before we started recording, you were telling me about how this story actually grew out of some other coverage you did. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about how you came to this story.
3: Yeah so i have a friend who is in the dance department and they actually told me that they had this really cool project coming up and so i pitched it in the culture desk and um, so originally i started writing this story just kind of highlighting what is ubuntu and what is the dance department doing but as soon as i interviewed jason I knew that there was a deeper story here. I realized that they were really starting some new projects with diversity and inclusion in the dance department, even though he's only been here for three years. And so I really wanted to dive deeper into that. And that's why I started writing this article for Ampersand.
0: Earlier, you mentioned that uh, IA is like the only non-white instructor at the dance department in in your article you quote him as saying that this has its pros and cons and i was just wondering what those were
3: yeah um i think one of the pros is that he gets to bring so many new ideas to the dance department one thing that he's done this year is he teaches a west african dance class and that's something new and it helps um, other students of color in the dance department really shine and feel comfortable and do something uh that that they're familiar with. Um but I think one of the cons is he is kind of in charge of spearheading diversity in the dance department and he he said himself, you know, he does have support, but I think one of his students, uh, Hadia who I interviewed, was saying that it can't just be Jason who's in charge of starting new ideas and bringing change. There has to be help. And so I think that's one of the cons is that there's a lot of um, pressure, maybe, or a lot of uh, a lot of it is up to him leadership wise. So I think that's what he meant by pros and cons. Obviously, I'm not Jason, so I can't say for sure.
0: Why are there so few non-white students and faculty at the dance department?
3: Yeah so I think I can speak on students a little bit more since I did interview two students of color in the dance department. Mm -hmm. Um, One student named Jasmine, um, she is Asian and she was talking to me about some some reasons why there may not be as many Asian people in the dance department. We had some really cool ideas about it. Um, She was talking about how the the arts in the Asian community are not favored as well so usually we see um, Asian people wanting to go into STEM fields or the pressure to become doctors, which is a stereotype, but you do see it quite common, uh, commonly. And so I think that was what me and Jasmine talked about was how in the Asian community, uh, it's kind of taboo, is what she called it, uh, to do the arts. And then I think for Haria, um, she was talking about how. The outreach to other students in high schools just hasn't been as much from the dance department. I think one of the things they talked about when Jason and I and Hadia were talking about ways to get new students to come in specifically students of color it was to talk about improving the outreach and getting the UGA dance department name out there because not a lot of people know about it so I think that's also part of the reason why they're not there are not as many students of color in the dance department and then lastly I think the last thing is that um, usually the dance department at least here at UGA focuses on ballet which is a mostly Eurocentric uh, form of dance and so I think a lot of people may, maybe they don't feel as comfortable doing that, or that just kind of sets this image of what a good dancer looks like a skinnier white or European uh, person. So I think that's also another reason why there may not be as much diversity in the dance department.
0: Yeah. And what is the value of? the dance department recruiting a more diverse student body and having more diverse course options in terms of what dances are available.
3: Yeah, so I kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but like Hadia was telling me, um, the students of color who are in the dance department, they get to feel more comfortable. They get to have a niche or an area where they get to shine and really say, this is my body type or this is my form of dance that I really know how to do. And I can then teach other people how to do it. So that's the second thing is that it starts conversations. It helps educate other people on different cultures and different ways of celebration or different ways of mourning. Um, and different ways of movement. So I think that's why it's so important to bring more diversity to the dance department is to just continue building a society that's more educated and supportive of other cultures.
0: Yeah, and how does Aye hope to accomplish the goals he has for how he envisions the dance department in the future?
3: So Aye told me about how he does not currently have a tenured position. And I think that is something that he is seeking out so that he has the freedom and he it kind of relieves a little bit of stress because whenever, again, you're kind of one of, not the only one, but a major part of spearheading these projects, but yet you don't have the position that says, this is my job. This is what I can make a lifelong career out of. It kind of makes you a little bit more stressed that you're going to start a project and then not get to finish it. And so I think that's why I is seeking a tenured position so that he can really take control of some of these projects knowing that he will see them through and help finish them too.
0: I know, at least in online discourse, there's a lot of criticism of, like, sometimes when people from one culture start adopting art forms of another, they're like... Um, criticisms of like cultural appropriation and stuff did Aye and the students you spoke to because the department is so predominantly white like do you think there would be issues of cultural appropriation if white students were to take um multicultural dance classes is that something you can speak to i'm i'm it's i'm mostly just curious
3: yeah so when i spoke to hadia who again is one of the um i think according to her, maybe one of two, one of three black students in the UJA dance department. Um, the way that she spoke about doing the dance Ubuntu, she spoke of it very highly and about how it was a way to educate her peers and help them know what her culture is. She didn't really speak about cultural appropriation. And I did go to the Ubuntu dance and there were still several dances that highlighted just the um People of color or the black students at the UJ dance department. So, I think they tried really hard to really like again spotlight the people of color, um, while also including you know again since there is a lot of white students still including them in the dance. But I think it was more of an educational and celebration perspective because even Aya talked about this about how um, he just wants to create a more connected community um, and doing that, a starting conversation and letting his students know that there's other dance forms out there.
0: Well, that's super cool. Thank you for speaking to that. I really appreciate it. Um, Is there anything else you think readers should know about the story?
3: I think the readers should know that there is a dance department. I think a lot of students um, still still know that there's a dance department out there. It's this cute little building behind Snelling. And even then um, I've talked to, again, I talk, the two people I talked to were saying that they think the dance department needs a little bit more funding and support. So I think bringing more attention to this, um, this wonderful place that exists at UGA and that they're doing stuff and going to their performances will just continue to um, help Uh, spark conversation, education, and diversity in the the department.
0: This has been The Front Page. The Front Page is a production of the Red and Black Publishing Company. You can find the stories discussed in this episode in the paper edition or on our website at redandblack.com. Make sure to download our app, keep up with us on social media, and check out our new health podcast, the Athens Frontline, hosted by health editor Semran Kaur Maholtra. We hope to see you next week.